Hello, I'm Andrew Suskind, and I'm a psychotherapist and author based in West Los Angeles since 1992, specializing in trauma and addictions. Welcome to our podcast, which I call It's Not About the Sex, also the title of my recent book. Here we focus on all topics related to compulsive sexual behavior, often referred to as sex addiction. In particular, we explore ways to build long-term sustainable recovery while establishing more meaningful connection and greater intimacy. Our intention is to offer fresh viewpoints, brand new perspectives, and practical user-friendly tools toward living a more deeply connected life. Let's get started. Cynthia Schwartzberg, LCSW, is a well-recognized leader in the groundbreaking brain spotting field. She has spent decades using brain spotting and other highly regarded techniques to help individuals and couples discover their authentic selves, and lead richer, freer, and more meaningful lives. Cynthia is currently a practicing therapist in Atlanta, Georgia, who delights in the voyage of authenticity she and her clients embark on daily. Using the latest in neuroscience, as well as ancient wisdom traditions from around the world, Cynthia has devoted her life to going as far as possible into the experiences of both curiosity and wonder. Welcome, Cynthia. Thank you. So nice to be here. Thank you. Oh, my goodness. It's so fantastic to see you. I just have to share on a personal note that Cynthia and I met in 2014 at my very first brain spotting training with Cynthia and uh, Steve Sawyer. We're assisting Pi Fry, who is one of our, our beloved brain spotting trainers. And so we have a history of kind of our own voyage in a way, parallel voyage. And and so today we'll have a chance to talk about your voyage and what you bring to your clients. So once again, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. It's amazing it's that long already. I know, I know. Time flies. So the name of Cynthia's book is The Curious Voyage, a rule-breaking guidebook to authenticity. And as you and I know, Cynthia, writing a book is absolutely a project of blood, sweat, and tears. And I'm so proud that, that, that you've re- released your book. And I really want to start with talking a little bit about it. So what was your inspiration? What prompted you to write this particular book? You know, over the years, I would do things in session with people And sometimes people would just say, do you have a copy of that? And it just comes so organic, like you don't even think of what what it is in the moment. And so it's not necessarily written down. And so then sometimes people would say, if you want, I'll help you write a book. Or, you know, there was just every now and then, every few years, every decade or something, a drop of it. And then recently, I guess I feel like the urge, like this pressing desire to share and spread so that more people could get tools and access. And um, it felt like it was the right time. Say more, the right time. Well, I guess in terms of my career, like I have tried to start to write a book before, Mm. but I didn't really like like it myself. (laughs) So mm-hmm. I hate to put it that way, but 
I think that once you're on the different a different side of some traumatic experiences or struggles in your life or um, some people would say that there are very harsh growth moments, right, that we have to live through. And when we're on the other side of that, we feel the desire to share our hope, like as I said in program, I experience my strength and hope. Mm-hmm. And so being more on the other side of it, it felt more like I did this, I went through this, I learned this, and this is what I'd like to share with you about it versus this is my story at, mm-hmm. from a more of a victim-y place. My, mm-hmm. I now only use that word for myself. I can't mm-hmm. speak for other people on that. Sure. So so say more about who is your audience? Who who would benefit most from, from the book? So the book is a, a, an accumulation of different stories from sitting with people over the years. It's also my own personal experiences. And it takes us on a voyage from going from being on an automatic pilot to really finding our intuitive nature and our authentic self. So anybody really that is on a personal growth um, wave or feeling stuck like in patterns that they are feeling stuck like in patterns that they um, keep living over and over again. So if you're feeling like you're in a rut or if you just want to clear through something, even though you've been on a path for a really long time. So I would say it's that 23, 22, maybe sometimes younger. I started pretty young up to, you know, any age, Mm -hmm. Um, but more like probably in the fifties, because after that you might be a little bit more settled in. It varies. Mm -hmm. Sure. The subtitle is fantastic, A Rule-Breaking Guidebook to Authenticity. And the word authenticity is is used in so many different ways. And I'm wondering if you could share a little bit about what you mean by authenticity. Yeah, thanks for asking. So when I think of the word authenticity, I think of something that feels um, true to self. So when I'm feeling in alignment, when I'm feeling in the flow, when it just feels right, then that feels to me what's authentically so. Mm -hmm. And also more heart opened. I was just going to ask that. So I, I was hearing that there's something about being in alignment, mind, body, and spirit, heart and soul, whatever words fit. But, mm-hmm. but that there's something very um, much congruent for individuals when, when, when you were talking about authenticity. Right. Yeah, I feel like it's congruent to human nature, an open heart, love, um, that it doesn't have a forcing current. It doesn't have an agenda. Mm-hmm. so I think when I'm being really authentic with you I'm being as honest and opened as I can be and with a willingness to even learn more mm-hmm. and in relationship that may include repair mm-hmm. right so part of what I hear is that if we're able to be fully ourselves 
and we're able to accept ourselves for exactly who we are, that, that there's also that opportunity in relationship to also invite people to be fully themselves and to also um, accept the other person for exactly who they are at any given moment. Is that yes. part of what, what this is uh, about? Yes, I believe so. Because I believe when I am fully myself, there's a certain inner peace, a certain compassion, a certain groundedness. And then I can extend that. And I, I'm not in a relationship from giving to get in any way. Mm-hmm. I'm there really to support you as whoever you are and where you also want to grow. Mm-hmm. Sure. And the thing about authenticity, which is, I think, a challenge for most of us is that there's always going to be barriers to authenticity. And certainly when we're talking about addictive compulsive patterns, that's one example of a tremendous barrier, right? Mm -hmm. So how can we grow in our self-awareness to heal and break old patterns like addictive compulsive patterns? So I think that is like if we start with addictive compulsive patterns, mm-hmm. that has served me in a certain way originally to maybe um, soothe, to protect, to um, attend to something that's missing. And it becomes an addiction as part of like a habit, right? And there's a whole then ritual, a whole gestalt that goes into that um, life state of being. And in that life state of being, then I'm just rolling as is. Like I get into an almost like this automatic way of being, this automatic pilot. Mm -hmm. So a lot of what I welcome people to is to start to get curious and to start to become aware of the way you're behaving, the way you're thinking, and just starting to even doing through like journaling or self-reflection, but beginning to bring some questioning or taking note, just observing and describing to yourself like every day at such and such a time, I'm feeling a certain way. And then we can start to see a pattern and then we can start to become more aware. So I think that that's a good place to start. Sure. So the awareness goes hand in hand with the curiosity. I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit more about curiosity and ways to foster curiosity. So fostering curiosity would be starting to kind of step into that place of wonder inside ourselves where, you know, you were talking before about maybe like a road roadblocks, things that just eat up against me, things that don't feel right. Sometimes it's anxiety because I've really um, disconnected from my innate authentic self. Mm-hmm. So that space between how I'm being and then my authentic self creates that anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, So when we are in that state, 
to just begin with what, why? Kind of like a, th- you know, like dropping into that inner three-year-old of like, why is the sky blue? Why? <laughs> but like, we're mm-hmm. just wondering about mm-hmm. the way things are rather than having to accept them. Mm. And I think we get um, almost like a state of self-agency and power when we begin to do that. Mm. Like I'm, I'm less identified with something when I'm getting curious about it mm-hmm. because I'm starting to identify it. And then there's that space. And what we know, like from mindfulness stuff is like, that's the beginning of that developing that inner observer. So then I begin to see, oh, there's something to me other than my habit self. Does that make sense? It does. I was just going to say that the idea of the observer is so powerful because many times when somebody is stuck in some kind of self-defeating or self-sabotaging behaviors, the observer just isn't there. And one thing that I heard you imply is that the observing or the wonder or the curiosity comes from a place of non-judgment, non-critique, and is really more of a perspective builder of, huh, what, what, what is, what's really going on? And, and what, how can I um, compassionately look at myself? Um, and objectively. And sometimes, of course, we need a therapist, or we need a friend or a sponsor or someone who can help us with that. But uh, that observer piece feels so significant. Yeah, and if you think about it, um, in the beginning, it might feel like a tiny glimmer or a whisper. Or it might come come through, like they say in program, from somebody else speaking to us, but there's a certain thing that might catch me. Or if I admire somebody, that desire desire to be like somebody or to that I'm admiring comes from someplace inside. Otherwise I wouldn't notice. Mm-hmm. Right? right? If there wasn't some link of a connection. Sure. So occasionally and I think we all can relate to this, we, we get stuck, right? It's almost like quicksand. We, we get stuck in our patterns and, and sometimes it, it just feels sometimes hopeless or um, just like so cyclical that there, there's no way off that merry-go-round, so to speak. You know, it, it, it could be things like affairs or, or fantasy relationships or, uh, trying to um, get involved with somebody who's really unavailable and and chances are we're unavailable too if we're going for the unavailable <laughs> but 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 I, I raise this because I, I wonder if 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 you can share a little bit about why people remain stuck in these kinds of uh, self-defeating behaviors you know from our work we know that's Many times it's physiological. And when biochemically that endorphin high happens, the body gets addicted to a certain pattern. And it's very hard to break that pattern. And other, so one way, I mean, one aspect of stuck is a very physiological. Mm 
And I think when we understand that, we can also, in a certain way, take blame of ourselves out and have more compassion for ourselves. It's like the same way I stub my toe and my toe hurts. I can't, I mean, maybe I can go on a blame game about why or how I stub my toe. But I think that when we just drop into saying my toe, my toe is got stubbed, it's inflaming, I need a piece of ice. Right. Mm-hmm. So I go along a trail for repair. Mm-hmm. So when if I'm stuck and I begin to see like either I'm like stuck, like where physiologically, like they say, like the brain, the part of our brain that helps us go from thought to thought to thought gets stuck. Mm-hmm. Um, or the part biochemically, there's this um organic process that has taken over and starts to happen mm. that um in a sense addicted to mm-hmm. then there's a stuckness there mm-hmm. and then sometimes we've been living out of certain habits because we're on automatic pilot because that's the way they do it in my family that's the way we've always done it and we're stuck by just being um in the way it's supposed to be done. Mm-hmm. You know, circling back to the subtitle, which I keep coming back to for some reason, the rule breaking guidebook to authenticity. A lot of folks with addictive compulsive patterns have been rule breakers. And, and so I actually think the the title will be very appealing to many of us or many of them. Um, but what keeps, or how can I put this? Um, breaking the rules is is really a necessity to toward authenticity. And so, when you're talking about rule breaking, what rules must we break, really? Well, I think part of the rule of breaking is living in an in a state of being without really knowing why I'm doing what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. So um, when I think of rule breaking, I think of um, the conditioning from society, the cultural. I don't mean the same rule breaking, you know, where um, I'm breaking other people's property to go get something for myself. I'm not talking about breaking the law, in other words. Right. I'm not talking about a law breaking (laughs) rule. (laughs) But I'm more talking about like these are the rules that I was provided for. This is how I'm given, being given. You know, even for some of us, it might have to do with our physiological rhythm. Mm. So I'm I have to wake up at a certain time every day. And I'm exhausted and I'm struggling. And that doesn't really work for my rhythm. Right. So maybe I need to really get curious of, well, could I do life a different way? Like, could I work at a different time of the day? I mean, mm-hmm. for some of us, that's not possible in our mm-hmm. society, sure. but we can wiggle it the best that we can. Mm-hmm. But honoring that my body needs something and I'm not giving it mm-hmm. or the rule breaking of, you know, um, we don't talk to people like that. Mm. It's like, why not? What's wrong with him? He's my friend. She's my friend. I like that person. Mm-hmm. 
you know, when we're growing up. And then we get all of these um, indoctrinated ideas that can become very prejudicial. They can become very um, divided. um, And they don't really make us feel good about ourselves. You know, or there could be rules that we are supposed to do something because that's the way we always do it. So part of a rule breaker will say, but I don't get why. Mm-hmm. And there is a certain health to that. Like unless there's a clear enough connection, but some of that you get the reason, but on a deeper level, it's like, why are you doing something, you know, in program? I So I was in um, more of um, Al-Anon. So it's like, can we give it for fun and for free? Am I giving this because I'm supposed to or because it's genuinely what I really long to and desire to do? Mm -hmm. It can be the exact same action, but sometimes we have to look at the intention behind it. Mm -hmm. So a rule breaker is going to unpack what their priorities and values are. Right. So if anything, it's, it's very liberating, but it also requires saying no to old messages. Saying no or saying, hmm, I wonder if that's correct or not correct. Hmm. So questioning them. Right. Does this fit in my life today, in other words? Right. Does this fit in my life today? Um, Some old messages, though, like if you're talking about my ideas or my beliefs, like that I don't do certain things, like, and I've always been saying yes, then maybe I need to start to say no. And sometimes it's been, I've been saying no when I maybe need to say yes. It can go both ways. Mm-hmm. Hmm. But either way, it, it sounds like an investigation of kind of the status quo. Right. And to ask what fits, what doesn't fit, what, what do I modify, what do I keep the same? Right. And what am I willing to speak up for? What have I not been willing to even know mm-hmm. I have an opinion about? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So really finding maybe a new part of your voice, actually. Yes. Yeah, that's great. Yes. So I didn't share before that, that Cynthia is one of the BrainSpot and community's top trainers. So Cynthia has been a trainer for many years now. Um, and and so when you mentioned physiology, when you mentioned, you didn't say nervous system, but I heard nervous system. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and I just wanted to ask, and I don't know if this fits exactly, but how does brain spotting and your work in that community, your, the depth of your work in that community inform the book, The, the Curious Voyage? Um, that also is a great question. You know, in my career, I've had three primary infusions of my, so the foundation of the work that I, and my understanding of people came from this process called the path work, which is a way of understanding humans, understanding creation, understanding life, getting curious about ourselves, um, how we look at um, our our path in life. And then 
part of that work was looking at the energy and consciousness by this process called core energetics. So um, that's working with the energy and the body. So it's kind of mind, body, spirit. Then when I um, went into EMDR and then brain spotting, I realized the way of being with people, I can do a lot less. And in terms of making interpretations or suggesting certain physical movements, and then and then I sat with them with the brain spotting. And from there, I realized the depth of curiosity because I sit in wondering curious without any expectations of my clients. You know, and I invite therapists to do the same. Mm -hmm. I, I think a lot of the training is just about undoing, talk about rule breaking, breaking all the rules of the way we're supposed to be as therapists on a certain, in a certain way. I mean, not in an ethical way, but in practice ways of um, being the authority to trusting the authority of our clients. Mm -hmm. So really the, the whole notion of curiosity is one of the principles of brain spotting. I think so. And it's also the idea of never really knowing the answer, mm -hmm. but yet it, the answer will come as it needs to. So it sort mm -hmm. of fits very um, synchronistic with when we're looking at our intuition, right? So it's not knowing it from my mental knowing, but it's just that innate knowing, that wisdom. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what advice would you give to someone who can't afford brain spotting or, or therapy at all, but, but knows they need some help? Um, so one, I mean, they can start by doing some meditations. There's a lot of free stuff online. They can certainly work with the, the Curious Voyage book. And then I also have something on um, Teachable called the journal with the curious voyage so people can even do that separately where it's teaching you how to um, look at your day day and evening on a regular basis and then it also has inquiring questions to help peel it away for a voyage um so if somebody can af afford that you know um and the other thing is Many people um, may not realize it, but they do have people in their lives that are addicts. And the 12-step programs are remarkable in terms of fellowship, support, inquiring, um, because part of the inquiring and part of the curiosity is to shift things in us. We're not doing it Yes, you can get an understanding of, of like, oh, that's the way my mother was or that's the way my father was. But on some level, we do need to have that body, mind, connect, brain, mind, body connection of to go into physiologically how we get so upset or so just, we call it dysregulated, so, so out of sorts, mm -hmm. say, right? And if we can use some tools from either yoga, 
the process that polyvagal, I think you had somebody on not so long ago with that Mm -hmm. process of just learning to watch her nervous system and bring in different tools to help shift ourselves. Mm -hmm. Some of that can be more temporary, but if we start to do things like what we share in this book, I think that it takes people to a much deeper level where those connections and those little clicks start to happen. And you can even do this book with a friend or do it as a, in a book club mm-hmm. where, you know, but if you have a confident person, you can get pretty far going through There's This is packed with a lot of um, processes and um, worksheets in a mm-hmm. sense mm-hmm. that people can go through. And then I also have, me talking you through it it's on my website so that if you don't want to do it through reading you can do it auditory Mm -hmm. you know being guided through something wonderful the other thing i wanted to add is is there's also some in addition to your workbook there's there's some wonderful books that can plant seeds and open doors around the nervous system around trauma healing um David Grant's book is certainly, he's right. a, the brain spotting founder, uh, Bessel van der Kolk, um, Peter Levine, you know, some of these folks who really teach us about the healing from, you know, from the bottom up, right? We, we right. T- talk about from the core, really. Yeah, I think that if by getting a little bit of that psychoeducation, right, and then doing getting some tools like if whether it's yoga learning to jog I mean doing um, push-ups is great to release anxiety like so whatever we can do somewhat to begin to get our system prepared Mm -hmm. to then go into some deeper inquiry Mm -hmm. but the other thing is reading things that are beautiful what some form of poetry Mm -hmm. um, you know Quotes from like Ram Das, the Dalai Lama, any, you know, some people read the Bible, whatever is your um, preference <laughs> that's going to nourish your, your, your soul, shall we say, mm-hmm. or your spirit, um, or the very best in you, however you want to word it. But I think that that like plant seeds and like it gives us a like almost like a smell of a beautiful flower. Mm-hmm. And we do that like every day and it will start that, those things to also just help us regulate mm-hmm. better. What came to mind as you were talking is you can heal in bite-sized chunks, right? And, and sometimes the most simple approaches can be the most profound. So a little bit of meditation, a little bit of breath work, a little bit of exercise, um, like you said, inspirational readings, et cetera, can really be soothing and mm-hmm. set the stage to do some of the more extensive work over time. You don't have to do it all at once. Right. And even to get started, I'll tell you, like I remember years ago, I could, I was really hard. I was not one of those people that could sit in, on a cushion and meditate. So I decided I can walk. So I started to walk. I mean, this was many years ago. Mm -hmm. And and just bring mindful awareness to my walking. Mm -hmm. And then I wanted to be 
a little bit more connected to something other than the chatter in my brain. Mm -hmm. So I set the alarm on my phone. So every day at that time, it's like, oh, in my words, it was like, oh, God's calling. <laughs> Sometimes I would be in sessions like, oh, excuse me. For, for those that I could say it to, it's like, God's calling. Let's say hi. <laughs> right, know, like, right. And then we get on with it. Mm -hmm. um, only when it was appropriate, obviously. With brain sure. spotting, you can't really do that because right. you never know where somebody would be in the process. But yeah. um, but whatever little tricks to just mm -hmm. tap um a switch to start to go in a new direction. Sure. Right. Uh, a coach once shared with me, what would be one small thing that would make the biggest difference? Right. And That's so a it's a beautiful question. It is. It, it just breaks it down to, to again, bite-sized chunks. So we only have a few minutes and I was wondering, Cynthia, if you could share with our listeners something that you would really like them to take away from this discussion? Um, I think I'd like you to take away hope and belief in yourselves that whatever is pressing against you to know that there, there is possibility and that whatever you're feeling either stuck or like I tried and I just can't do it or whatever those you know other voices are to take away the hope that as uh, Andrew just said like just one small tiny something and it could be just taking a pause to look at a leaf but any one thing is going to start to shift it because positive intention to move something already shifts the negative towards the positive and then the trajectory just grows that's beautiful so on that note i so appreciate you joining us today cynthia thank you so much for being with us Oh, thank you so much for having me. This is really fun to talk to you and see you. <laughs> it's a pleasure. I, I, I love the fact that 3,000 miles away, we can have an intimate conversation. Right. And too. hopefully the next time we'll be in person. Yes, that would be lovely. And I hope that this is a benefit and if your listeners' time and value for them. Absolutely. All right. Yeah. Take good care, Cynthia. Okay. You too. Alrighty. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening today. It was so terrific sharing the time with my colleague, Cynthia Schwartzberg, and discussing this really significant topic that affects those affected by compulsive and addictive patterns. She can be reached through her website at www.synthesis.com. And be sure to give us a five-star rating on iTunes or please share our podcast on Spotify. And if you have any other topics that you'd like us to discuss in the future, just let me know. And I look forward to you joining us on future podcasts. And thanks again for being with us today.